How to Create a Glitch Monologues Season 18 Chapter 9 This is Season 18 of How to Create a Glitch in the Matrix Monologues Episode 9. In this episode, we will be discussing competition among the tonic and dominance in a social system. In a two-person social system, determining who will be the dominant and who the tonic, is a simple question of what orientation they take, first or second, and how competitively they form contracts. As conjoined expectations generate a status quo arrangement with respect to whose expectations are more frequently met. But social contracts are often not conjoined initially or end up divergent over time. This has the effect of altering which actor retains deference and the position of the tonic. Let me give you an example. Let's say A and B are in a relationship. Person A expects person B to clean the house once a week. Person B expects person A to take the kids to school. This is a social contract. Now, initially everything goes according to expectation, but over time and due to a temporary illness person B ends up doing both. In this case, the contract has become a divergent expectation contract, because only one of the individuals is having their expectations met. In this example, person B may start as the tonic, while becoming the dominant as the contract changes. The competitiveness of an actor is a manifestation of their willingness to use coercion or unequal bargaining power to influence a social contract. Often this stems from the value of the consideration they provide for the contract. Likewise, having a disproportionate influence over the criteria for consent to contract ultimately undermines equal bargaining power and conjoined expectations. Consideration for a social contract can come in many forms such as a service, money, a good or simply peace of mind. As an example, let's say we're looking at the same situation. But this time, person A has an anxiety disorder. Person B knows this and whenever person A refuses to do something, person B acts in such a way as to impair her peace of mind. Thus, the peace of mind given as consideration for the contract is of high value to person A. Thus, person A ends up doing both tasks. Of course, this is rather abusive, but the point is that determining what consideration is held highest in value by the other determines one's ability to influence the contact, and one's position as tonic or dominant. The value given to consideration is contextual. For example, if in the same above contract person A has a support dog, her anxiety may not be as significant a factor in a decision. Thus person B may have less success in influencing the contract. All of this aside, Individuals frequently use context to give greater value to their consideration, which increases their bargaining power. Perhaps person A interferes with B's relationships with women. This increases the value of her intimate consideration, which impacts her bargaining power as a result. Now, tactics designed to increase the value of one's consideration also play a role in relationship dynamics. Demand and supply within a social system determine the value of some consideration. Thus, using demand to increase bargaining power is a frequent tactic. For example, a woman may competitively attract the men, while undermining their other relationships. In this way, the value of their consideration increases and the value of the other women decreases. Also, part and parcel with this attention is confidence as the social economy involves the exchange of attention for confidence. There is a limited supply of masculine attention, and if one is receiving it, another is not. Thus, 
and this goes without saying, power dynamics and sexuality intermingle to produce divergent expectation contracts just as easily as they produce conjoined expectation contracts. The key to understanding this whole process is to understand the strategies being relied upon by people in groups or relationships to get their expectations met. The second topic we would like to talk about with this podcast relates to language or dialect, meaning and lability. As social tension is managed or modulated by language, the particular language, word choice, we use, whether it be a dialect or a completely different language is important. For example, in English the word outrage is particularly emphatic. It is used in contexts where one is incensed, where the content of experience is a complete violation of conventionality. In French, on the other hand, it is a more commonly used word, to represent violations of laws or regulations. On the one hand, outrage is something which compels disgust, which violates all conventionality. In the other, it is a highly contextual word, which one might see more often. The point that I'm making is this. The gravity of the word in one usage, English, suggests that the contextual meaning of the French is of a higher emotional tension. When speakers of both languages hear the French version, they may interpret it as of greater gravity than it is. Or perhaps, in the French the pure emotionality of the meaning in English is preserved in the French, such that any violation of regulation or statute is tantamount to a violation of human society as a whole. It is as if so to speak the French accurately reflects the gravity of what English understands to be contextual or even trivial violations is deleterious to human society itself. Thus, three conclusions can be drawn. 1. Language plays a role in emotional modulation. The tension managed by the language is distinct from one language or dialect to the next, as meaning changes. 2. Distinct languages possess distinct spectrums of emotionality created by word choice and fluctuation. 3. As such, meaning can be quantified by the expression of social tension which accompanies it. Less contextual words produce more emotionality, more contextual is less emotionality. That's the end of the podcast for today. If you enjoyed it, please like, comment and subscribe.